The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is January 21st. It is a freezing chilly day here in Chicago. So for those of you that are in warm weather, I am both happy for you and jealous. And I might be saying happy for you with a slight bit of sarcasm, but it's also kind of genuine too. Uh, Really excited to talk to you today, Ben, thinking a lot about this show. So welcome to Raising the Bar. We have a great guest today, and I'm going to just jump right in. I love to chat with you all about getting motivated and motivation and what um, really makes that happen. And we have Dr. Alok Trevetti with us today, which I will introduce in a moment. But he has some really great things to say that I think a lot of us might not think on. So I'm excited for you to all hear his point of view and interested to get uh, the emails because I'm sure we'll have some great questions and great response. Uh, I was sitting this morning thinking about how we are three quarters of the way through January and how many of us really came into 2016 with some great goals and some big goals, but maybe you didn't have the little sub goals together to get there or now you have um, just maybe dropped the ball on those and given up on those. I think it's about this time of the month where people really begin to um, just kind of settle back into comfortable routine. Um, You know, introducing Dr. Trevetti, I have had the privilege of having a great business relationship as well as a great friendship with him. Um, He's a professional speaker and consultant for sales teams. And as president of Mental Toughness University, he helps increase sales and retention rates through psychological performance training. And many people don't even know that this exists, so it's something you really, really want to listen closely to. You know, and as a doctor, Alok has been captivated with mental and physical aspects of performance, and he studied the field of higher thinking and human performance since 1993. On a side note, too, Alok also built one of the largest alternative healthcare clinics in the world uh, through his nonlinear methods of healing and business practices. And it, it really um, just makes him so attractive to consult as a doctor and as uh, a business partner and a speaker, too. Very engaging. You know, soon after uh, he opened his practice and was so successful in that, he was partnering with Steve Siebold. And the two of them began helping companies increase their sales and performance through mental toughness training. Just some of the corporate clients that um, is included in that are Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Toyota, 
You know, Alok, and I know that you have also done um, a couple, many actually, different TV spots as well as, as public speaking, and that's really something you have a great gift for. So today I'd just like to welcome you to Raising the Bar, and I just appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Absolutely, Amy. I'm excited to be here. Thanks a lot. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you and I have had some really great conversations that half the time I'm not sure how we even get on that road sometimes to some some deep thinking. And, um, you know, we've talked about mental toughness. And I, I was sitting here thinking about our conversation today and um, thinking about what mental toughness means to me. I think that, well, I know that through some of my you know, growing up and thought patterns as a young adult into where I'm now um, into my younger 40s, I have to say. But, um, you know, I think it changes over time. I think mental toughness or, or having that fortitude to accomplish something, are, it's a, just a definition that's different to so many people. I think for me, I, I kind of have that attitude of, well, if you say you're going to do it, just do it. Like, it's not hard, but a lot of times it is hard. <laughs> I just kind of think um, I might be in kind of that overcomer mentality where I just I set a goal and I write it down and I just do it. So I don't know. I would love for you to kind of describe what mental toughness means to you personally and maybe so our listeners can get an idea of um, kind of where it is in your head, in your heart, and then how you uh, – transfer that knowledge or that feeling to not only corporations, but maybe people that you come across that might need some coaching? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know how we get on our conversations either, but it, they always <laughs> seem to be inspiring, and I walk away with something great as well. So it, it's always oh, fantastic to be, able to, to be able to speak with you. And, and uh, I don't know if my thinking is really deep. I, I think it's pretty shallow most of the time, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you bring it out in me. I'm not sure. <laughs> But it's me. <laughs> you know, mental toughness is uh, is really just about performance. It's about going through the hard times, going through the challenges, uh, because there is always going to be challenges. And when you look at it from a position of your own life, I mean, every you know, the world loves to live in this positive mentality, and that's just not true. I mean, re- you know, crap happens to everybody every single day. I mean, it's just it is what it is. And mental toughness is having the psychological strength to overcome any adversity to get what it is you want in a life. And it's a very simple thing, but to take it to another level, I guess, you've you got to look at it and say, okay, you know, for me at least, mental toughness is really the psychological strength to be yourself. Hmm. And there are so many people, so many times that, uh, you know, we get alluded to these these fantasies and these ideas of having, you know, Every rich and every one of the riches in the world, and all the successes that we we chase after, but mental toughness for me is to say, you know what? Do you have the strength to be yourself? And more often than not, I think uh, I don't think people do, and that's where, with the work that we do, we create performance by people being who they are. You know, I love that, and I think that's interesting because I know. Um throughout my life, just with different circumstances or different experiences I had uh, with my childhood or my parents or even in my relationships and in my marriage, I always labeled myself or would, would, would have described my um, actions as almost what I called a behavioral tap dance. <laughs> and, it, you know, it was like I would adjust my behavior and my responses to whoever I was around in order to get the reaction uh, that I was hoping for or to lessen a reaction at all. 
And it really took me personally, I want to say, and I was probably like 35 or 36 by the time I was just like, gosh, darn it, this isn't about everybody else. And if I spend, maybe it sounds bad, and, and I probably don't mean it as harshly as it sounds, but maybe in a way I do. Actually, I'm lying. You know, it, it, was, a, it was time to be myself. It was time to take care of me so I could better you know, serve my children or serve my family or serve others. But I think you absolutely hit it on the head. And I wish I would have thought of that. But maybe that's why you're the speaker on it to just be true to your true to yourself. Um, It's interesting how you say we live in this this time or this era of, you know, everything's going to be great. And and I, I struggle, Um, I'm just going to share, I struggle with that sometimes, because there's such a high percentage of me that believes, you know what, when I say it and I speak it and I write it down, I do it and it happens. And, and, I, and I really do find that to be true for myself more often than not. But I like that you said, you know, crap happens to everybody. You know, it does. And sometimes I'm not sad to say, like, fake it till you make it till you get there. <laughs> sometimes because owning things and being true to yourself is so much part of people's success. Would you agree? Just, I mean, being authentic versus um, just, you know, fake and not really believing what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Amy, you know, you said something in there that that I, I probably would challenge, and, and I challenge it in a respectful way, oh, obviously. But, um, you know, people say that it's about yourself and it's about you, it's about you. It's really not. That's the thing. Is that you are you are a part of a greater a, a greater uh, influence, and and I'm not talking necessarily from a spiritual essence. I'm talking mm-hmm. even within your family, even within your work circumstances, even within your business and your customers, you are a part of a greater sphere of influence. So, you know, I think our, the other part of our our world that's you know, and this has all come with this personal development movement. And the the be happy and positive thinking and you know it, all that side of it has led us to this place where, as a society, I mean, the amount of people on depressive medication today is absolutely absurd. Right. Because right. most people live in this positive, deluded fantasy that you know the world is just going to magically make everything happen for me. Well, it does. I mean, you know, that's great that you know. When people write their goals and organize their thoughts and put them down on paper, that's fantastic. All you're doing is creating mental clarity, and it, but it doesn't magically show up. Right. You know, how many, last night or a couple of weeks ago was the, uh, the Powerball, right? $1.5 right. billion. <laughs> I can promise you there's, there were a lot of people that visualized and, and said, you know what, I'm going to win the Powerball, and wrote it down on a piece of paper. And until this day, I don't know if anyone's really actually won it. So I don't really, you know, that that's playing a lottery mentality, and that lottery mentality with your life. Yeah. But yeah, the reality I... that comes in play is, just to take it a step further, is to then to get what it is you want. And that's great that you get what you want. But are you are you able mentally to deal with the challenges that come along with what you get? Right. And, and that's a good point. And if I, I hope I didn't come across, if I did, just in case for anybody who's listening to it, is um, taking care of me in a, in a, from a selfishness standpoint. I meant it, and I think I did clarify it, is, as far as um, 
like I said, being able to better serve and be a better uh, partner, a better businesswoman, a better mom, because I am, you know, feeding myself with with things that I need to do or to think or or whatever. But I I understand totally how – you challenge that too. And I do agree with you. I think that that, that personal development movement and that positive thinking is, is very valid. I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people and I, and I don't mean to because I do love it. I embrace that. And that's kind of me too. I'm, I'm very um, overly optimistic. I've been told, I don't believe that that's true. I don't, I don't believe it's, it's, it's possible to be overly optimistic because I seek joy. I seek positive response through the negative things that may happen in the beginning. And you're right. I mean, do people have the, uh, uh, yeah, that mental strength to deal with what happens while they're, while they're getting to that goal? You know, everybody wants to win the Powerball. And I think there was at least one ticket sold with all the numbers in Florida, by the way. So happy Florida people today. But, um, you know, everything that comes along with that amount of money or, or success, you know, as far as anything. Yeah, I, I think people uh, stumble upon that. Would you say that people that you meet in corporations or that you speak to, um, I found with some of the people that I train or that I have partnered in business with really, really have great desire and um, even drive for the most part, then all of a sudden I think I, I feel like they get some kind of emotional exhaustion or um, something that makes them so uncomfortable that they would rather stay stuck. Do, do you find that that's what you see in a lot of places where people choose to stay stuck because they're too afraid of what change will feel like? That's very interesting you say that. It, you know, now, now we're taking going down a rabbit hole and I like it. But... Uh... <laughs> What we say in mental toughness and mental toughness university is that you know there's a difference between belief and desire. Okay. You know, everyone has the desire for greater things, but the question is, do they have the belief? Let me give an example. The you know everyone has the desire for wealth and riches and and all these things, but you know and I know and everyone listening knows that just to sit on and say that it's going to manifest out of anything you know, out of thin air without putting the work, the action, the effort, the time, and the investment into yourself and into your, into your work, it's not showing up. It's not magic. No one's coming to the door tomorrow and saying, by the way, here's $4.5 million for you. Right. It's not happening. So, the, you know, when you, you look at the current marketplace, you know, we become emotionally deluded into believing that it's going to be that way, and it's going to be, you know, that... Uh, the desire, it's going to be there. But the thing is, is growing up, we get taught all these beliefs and all these, all these um, programming things, as we've been told, as we, we know through neurology. We program ourselves to believe something is going to be, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. But the thing is, is that if the belief comes into play, if the belief that you are going to be successful is in play, the desire has to match that. There has to be some sense of alignment within desire and belief. If there's no yep. alignment in desire and belief, you're, you're, you're going to have someone show motivation, and they're going to work out for four weeks, six weeks, all this, uh, all this in play. But reality is, is that by February 14th, the gyms are empty, and there's a reason why. It's not because of desire. It's because of belief. It's interesting you say that, and um, 
I want to keep going here for just a few moments and then we're going to take a break. But I really want to dive into maybe some some skills or nuggets or tools that maybe we can share that can um, help people align that desire and that belief. I can, I can say from personal experience, we're just going to use exercise because we've been talking about the gyms. You know, I was always a chunky kid. I was the friend that had the towel wrapped around her waist at the pool in the summertime with all my friends. And I, I um, was a comfort eater. I would eat happy, eat sad, eat angry, eat whatever. And it really, um, I try to think about what was that pivotal pivotal moment because Alok, I, I always wanted to uh, feel confident in a bathing suit. And maybe this is a shallow example and I don't really care. I'm just throwing it out there. But I didn't um, maybe know how to get there. Then I learned how to get there, uh, you know, but then I was like, oh, can I really do it? And then there it was. Like the want was there, but the belief wasn't there. And I I wish there was like a pivotal moment where I could remember, you know, exactly what just made me say, like, forget it. I'm doing it. I'm not stopping until I get there. Um, You know, that switched. But I can say that I think it was definitely um, an emotional twist. And I I know we've talked about uh, how fear and pain can maybe be a bigger motivator than inspiration. And that's, that's really what I would like to touch on because I think for me, that's really what happened. I was going through a rough patch in my marriage, which thankfully has, has made its way to a great, great place again. Um, But I think that's what really did it. I think it was just that being in a painful place. So being unhappy emotionally, being unhappy physically and just being, what is it? Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Totally thrown out the the cliches today. I mean, that's that's really what it was, and and so I can just remember like stepping in the gym the first time and having my girlfriend help me and her telling me what to eat and what not to eat, and I really was like, "Holy crap, this is gonna suck!" <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when we talk when we talk about the work that it takes and the sacrifices you have to make, um, but. Yeah, you know what? It did suck. I, it, I was sore. I was in pain. I wanted a hamburger. Actually, I ate hamburgers. I wanted ice cream. I wanted cake. I'm a chocolate peanut butter fiend, you know, but you, it just was like something made those two things line up. And uh, it's interesting. And, you know, we're going to take a break here in a moment, but I want to also touch on something so I don't forget because I know our conversations go all over the world. You had spoken spoken to me one time too about how you started your own business as a kid right so I want to make sure I want to make sure we touch on that because I think uh, this is something that's been born in you and I don't know if it's a natural thing for others as far as being motivated but um, I just wanted to make sure that I brought it up because it's something that really just uh, intrigued me about you so you are listening to Raising the Bar we're talking about motivation when we come back from our break we are going to talk about how fear or pain can be a greater motivator than even inspiration and lining up our uh, desire with our um, goals, you know, so our desire and our motivation and everything is all in line so that we can really attack and get there. So again, you're listening to Raising the Bar with Dr. Alok Trivedi and me, Amy Bredo, and we will be right back.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, it's me, Amy Bredo, and we are back. Uh, you're listening to Raising the Bar, and today we are talking to Dr. Alok Trevetti, one of my favorite people to just sit and chat with and learn from. And if you're just uh, joining us, we are speaking on the topic of motivation and mental toughness and how sometimes fear or pain can be actually a greater motivator than inspiration. And we're talking about aligning our desire and our belief uh, so that we can achieve our goals. Now, Alok, I know we were, you know, I was kind of sharing my little bit of my story and kind of how that worked for me a little, but I wanted to touch on, you know, maybe some of the tools or techniques that you share with corporations or any clients of yours on how would you suggest for someone who really has a drive? I know we were using, you know, weight loss or physical fitness as an example, um, but kind of encourage them to, re- to raise that level of belief. Get pissed off. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what do you do off that? with yourself. I mean, look in the mirror and say to yourself, okay, who's going to come, who's going to change my life? Whatever the circumstance is, you, you know, there are so many things in life. You, you know, you have your seven areas of your life, from your spirituality to your finances to your work to your, uh, to your money to your social life to your physical life to your familial life, whatever it is in your life. Get pissed off with what you're not happy with. Don't be mild about it. The thing is, we're emotional creatures and we move with pain, not pleasure. You know, the, the whole concept of being everything being nice and flowery and rosy, and that's fantastic, and, I, and I'm all for it. But I'm also going to be a practical realist and say, you know what? Sometimes crap sucks, and you've got to know how to deal with the crap. And the only way most people live in that midline where they say, oh, this is really crappy, and I, this, is, <laughs> this is rough, I, I, I don't like this. But they don't want to do anything about it. 
Right. So if you're not going to make a change, here's my, here's my mental toughness advice. This is mental toughness. So I'm allowed to say this. Shut up. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to say to people. If you're not going to do anything about it, I mean, it sounds a little harsh. I know it. I'm, I'm trying to make a point here, and I don't, I don't mean to offend people when I say that. But the reason I'm saying that is unless you're not going to get up and make a difference and do something about your life, your opinions are your feelings, and your feelings are great, and you're allowed your opinions, you're allowed your feelings, but if you're not going to make a difference, they're going on empty ears, and you're just looking for a therapist. Right. 50% of people go to therapists because they want someone to listen to their problems. Here's my solution. Listen to your own problems, take responsibility, and then go make the change that you want to happen. Absolutely. And I... You know, sorry, I had to burst out in laughter because it, it's so true. I, you know, I've had some personal training clients in the past that I've had to move forward from because it's right. You become their therapist, and I think it's like they want you to validate their apathy towards being, you know, the way they are. They, they just, I, I feel like that is uh, really a case of, of, of what it is in, in so many things. And, and right, looking at what you're unhappy about and getting pissed off is, is a good place, you know, and when you said that, that did touch a button for me. I'm like, you know what, that was it. I, I was done. I was done. Just, just done being unhappy. And I don't really worry about offending people um, sometimes, and maybe I should, but I feel like, you know what, you need someone to kind of give you that moonstruck smack in the face, and you got to get over it yourself. You know, it, it's like that perpetual cycle of like, you know, I don't have any money, I don't have any money, I don't have any money, but I'm not willing to go and work for some, or I'm not willing to make a change, or I'm, you know, not just You know, I not. look at it, I didn't mean to cut you up there, but I look no, at fine. it like this, Amy. You know, I've been blessed to be born in Canada, but being of Indian descent, at a very early age, at six years old, I went to India for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I saw people literally living in shacks. Right. I saw, well, I was on the train, and I saw kids running up and just wanting to shake your hand like you're a celebrity. And you're a six-year-old kid. I mean, you had people who were the purest of hearts came up to me and said, you know, made all these amazing things. Oh, you're from, you're from Canada, and you're from this, this country. How is it there? What's it like? And it really put things in perspective for me. You know, we all have our stuff. And I talk to, and I'm saying this to myself as well, so I'm not preaching to the choir by any means. I mean, right. when I, I, you know, I can sit in my sorrow and I'm a great, you know, wuss and be like, oh, poor <laughs> me, poor me. I do it all the time. I, so I'm not, I'm not talking from an ivory tower here. I, you know, I, my right. advice is for myself as well. <laughs> but the, the thing with it is that I, I learned very early on is that we are lucky. You know, most of the people who are listening to this this show are have access to some sort of digital internet system. Right. They have right. access to some sort of internet that they are listening to. So, okay, so they don't have the fanciest house. I get it. I get it. You have a fancier house than a shack. I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee it. So what happens is that we can sit and say we don't have, we don't have, we don't have. Then go, you know, unless you're going to go get it, then don't complain about it. But at the same time, also be grateful for where you are. Because the gratitude of who you are and what you have is going to facilitate further, further things. There's no question. But 
until you don't see that for yourself, until you don't see people in a third world country and be affected with that type of power mm-hmm. of how really lucky we are. We have running water. My dad growing up, I used to ask him all the time when we talk about being pissed off and dissatisfied and, and all that, I used to ask my dad, you know, why did you travel all this way to come to the Western world, right? right? They said I wanted more for my life. I wanted more for my family. I wanted more for my kids. I wanted a different life. And and I said, okay. And he said, but truthfully, I was pissed off that I was living in these terms. And I saw an opportunity, and I took the opportunity, right. and I ran with it. And I ran with it. And so, you know, he, he asked me, and I said, no, that's, you know, that's great. That, that's fantastic. And he goes, so you complained to me a little bit. You know, life isn't as rosy as you think. He said, why don't you pull out your iPhone 6S? How much does that cost you? <laughs> he said, there are people in the world that don't even have a landline. They, they don't have a rotary phone. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you know, you're right. And I, um, interesting that, you know, I know we've talked about your travel to India. And I, I know I haven't shared with listeners that I've been uh, to Ethiopia twice. One of, obviously, you know, Elope, but one of my children is adopted from there. And, you know, I, I didn't travel to Ethiopia the first time until uh, 2007. And though I, I thought I knew how lucky I was seeing where my son grew up and seeing how um, the other side, you know, people live on the other side of the world. And I mean, and people don't, live real great in America and in a lot of places too, but, but seeing it as as a culture, um, being there as a white American, uh, yeah, you know, people run up to you, you stick out like a sore thumb and, and it, and it was mind blowing. It was devastating. Um, there were actually some very beautiful parts of it too, but it really does put things into perspective. And I can tell you, you know, I wanted to adapt a kid, a kid. I wanted to adopt an older boy from Ethiopia when I was eight years old, you know, and there's a backstory to that or whatever. And so when it came to fruition, I remember my own mind was blown. And I don't know if that's a weird statement or if that makes any sense to you, but it was, it was something that was laid on my heart as a small kid. Some, you know, we got married, we had all our kids, we were doing our life. And then all of a sudden it came up and we were like, let's see what happens. And boom, we did, you know, and my son was almost 11 years old when he came home. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, like, I said I was going to do that, you know, when I was eight years old, and I did it. And that is when my belief level really skyrocketed. And, and, and it encompassed, you know, everything I kind of have wanted for myself. So, do you, you know, that maybe was... Uh, I don't know if the experience I would say was necessarily painful for me personally outside of the, the pain it brings me to know what my son went through or the pain it brings me to see those people. But it, but it also did amazing things that caused me to, you know, find it, find uh, my husband and I founded a non-for-profit and we've funded adoptions and we've done all these things since then trying to help people move out of the pain and achieve a goal, you know? So I, I think that those kind of like, oh man, moments of realizing how we lucky are or how lucky we are are huge. Would you say to the average person though, like, um, you know, maybe somebody that hasn't experienced something like that, like you and I have, you know, how would, how would we raise their belief? Because I think sharing our story is great, but I think unless you can flip that switch once they're angry, 
you know, what do you think keeps them going? How do you, do you think that they resolve the anger or do you think that they more often than not just get pissed off and then they're like, do you think that the, the anger makes the belief happen? Well, the anger creates the the emotional. I mean, we're emotional creatures, right? And that's just right. what it comes down to. We're emotional creatures as, as humans. We're emotional creatures, and what happens is that the the anger and the the dissatisfaction, the place where we're so upset and the pain is so bad, we only you know Freud said this a hundred years ago. You mm-hmm. know, we, we function on the pain pain pleasure uh, principle, and to this day, I believe he's very very accurate. You know, we you know the idea of us being pissed off is obviously you're not going to stay angry forever in your life and i hope you don't because i hope you come through it right. the anger is just to get you to get off the couch it's to get you to get off the the away from the idiot box and, and start doing something with your life because you know most people unfortunately don't believe enough in themselves to to go do something, and, you know, beliefs are created, you know, various different ways, but there's some sort of stimulus. You know, something from our five senses has to go in to say something, a belief is good. For example, you know, as a child, we, you know, we eat sugar or sweets. You said ice cream and chocolate. Um, (laughs) The reason being is because our neurology, our brain says that dopamine is good. So it likes the feeling of dopamine. So it gives us the dopamine rush. So some sort of stimulus we have to perceive in some format as a positive experience. So first you get pissed off. Then you go, through, then you go out and you say, okay, well, I keep failing. You know, I suck at this. I'm horrible. Like, I don't know what I'm going through. Like, this is, I don't know why I keep doing this. I don't know why I keep going to the gym because I'm not losing any weight. And right. all these people look so much better than I do. And they're more in shape. They're more fit. All, that, all this great stuff, right? And then you get to the point where, hey, there, there's, there's a little ab. <laughs> I, I see an ab there. It's existing. Oh, yeah, okay. So you start saying, well, yeah, if I keep doing this, I, maybe I can get the second ab to show. Then I can get a four-pack, then a six-pack, then an eight-pack. Then you go for the chisel. You know, but it's, it's the little wins. Right. It's, I, there's, a, there's an old saying one of my mentors once taught me, and I love it, and it's little hinges swing big doors. Yeah, you've said that to me before. I like that. I want to elaborate on that. I, again, I think, you know, so you're just little successes make the big success. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. You, mm-hmm. you know, you can set the vision for a grand thing like you did with, you know, going to Ethiopia and, and adopting a child, which is a extremely noble and, and great thing that you did for this this one child, um, but you know the little hinge was created by you know this eight year old girl that created and said said to herself you know I wish I could and right. you didn't have any awareness of how to do that a lack of awareness creates a, a, a lack of belief once you see a roadmap you see how it can be done then the then the belief starts coming into play so it's not yeah. a, the, the stories are great emotionally to say hey look that's fantastic. But awareness, which is knowledge and, and, and understanding of how to do that, creates belief. I can do that. I can do that. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Sure. All you got to do is get on the treadmill and walk five minutes. I can, I can walk five minutes. Next right. Week, can you, once you do five, can you do seven? Well, I could probably do seven at that point. It's yeah. just a little victories. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, when, you had, when we had spoken about this before, you had talked to me 
or you touched on a little bit of something called, you know, what you refer to as belief borrowing. So is that, I mean, that's that type of thing like, hey, you know, I walked five minutes, you can walk five minutes. Is that, is that kind of what you meant? Where you kind no, of... No, not necessarily. Okay. When I talk about belief borrowing, I mean, it, it's really, as a child, we do this, right? If our, our psychology really stems from our childhood for a grand part of it. So if, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my son right now is, is an amazingly, amazingly intelligent young boy. He's seven years old, and mm-hmm. he's very talented, very socially gifted. He's, he's got all the skills to do amazing things in his life. And, however, when it comes to academics, he's, he's having some challenges. Okay. And he's not showing his, his true intelligence. His belief is weak. Now, his sister, who's four years older, is my... Is my uh, intelligence. She's like her mom. She's very, very academically intelligent. I wasn't that academically intelligent, believe it or not. But she's a straight-A student. I mean, the other day she said to me, if I get a 93, I fail. And I said, well, then you, then you suck. And she's <laughs> like, I know, Dad. I do. Oh, I'm gosh. Like, okay. But she's created the belief in herself that she can do this. So now to her, anything below a 93 is not good enough. So she's created okay. that demand on herself. So that is one is her situation. Now, my son, my son is the case that I'd like to talk about. My son is comparing himself to her. So if right. he gets a 70 or 75 on a test, he's like, well, it's not as good as her, so I'm yeah. not that smart. Oh. So I've been working with him diligently to get little wins. A spelling test, he got 100%. His reading test, he got a, a 95%. Okay, now the belief is showing up. He's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Of course you can do this. So we, we work in coaching and parenting. I mean, life is coaching in some capacity, managing salespeople, right. all this stuff. It's the same thing. It's you coach to the little victory. They get the little victory. They start saying, I can do that. Okay. Then the next test comes. Oh, okay, I can do that. And then they're going to have a test that they fail at. They say, it's okay. Well, you did it before, so you can do it again. Oh, yeah, that's true. I can and then so what you do is you build their belief to a string of beliefs, to a series of events that leads to, oh, yeah, I am a genius. I can <laughs> do this. 93 or below, that's failing. And then he's going to grow up and be like, I'm a genius like my dad. Uh, I don't know about like his dad. <laughs> you know, in our last few moments of this segment here, uh, you know, you touched on something interesting. You know, I have four kids, and I find, you know, my older three are just um, very, very, like, they have high belief in their academics. And I've even watched my oldest son, who's 20, go from just kind of like, wah, wah, and then doing really, really great. And then he went off to college and had a little too much fun. You know, his first year came home and he's turned it back around. But my youngest does struggle with that same type of thing, similar to your son and and your daughter. But it's interesting. I'm glad you shared that, actually, because I'm going to take some of those things like, hey, you've done this before. And I think that that can really, you know, transfer, obviously, in our children, transfer in our business partners, transfer in corporations. Um, What's interesting to me that I'd love to touch on a little bit – is when you are training in corporations, is it, do you find that 
the leader of the company always needs to be on board with with this kind of uh, transformation of the company or kind of, you know, trying to guide people into their thinking shift and their belief shift so that yeah, obviously the ultimate goal is for it to affect a greater outcome for the company. So I, I would like to touch on that and I would like to hear just uh, more about you personally. Again, I know we, we had spoken um about your belief system as a kid when you went to India and you saw what you saw and you realized how lucky you were, I would love for you to kind of just share what you did with that. Uh, If I have it correctly, I think you said you started your first little entrepreneurial venture when you were, what, eight? Seven. Seven. Okay. So it wasn't long, it wasn't long after your trip to India. So when we come back, we are going to be continuing to speak to the wonderful and amazing speaker, Dr. Alok Trivedi. Uh, We are talking about mental toughness, how fear and pain can motivate us better, faster, stronger than uh, just plain old inspiration that kind of, kind of poops out. So you are listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo, and we will be back in just a moment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo, and we have Dr. Alok Trevetti with us today. Uh, we are speaking about uh, belief and desire and mental toughness, and I just really would like to take this time and have Alok, uh, if you would just share about your own journey of desire and belief. I know you started off um, on some entrepreneurial ventures, again, as a young kid. And I just think it's such a great story. I think it is some inspiration for people, but I think it also shows uh, your level of belief, even as a young child. And again, gives them the 
the kind of glimpse that the small successes lead to the greater ones. So uh, please share your story with us. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I was I was lucky. I mean, I, I, I had a dad that no matter whatever I did, he always just stood behind me, just supported me and said, you can do it. You can do anything you want in the world. You can do anything you want to. Even if I'm failing miserably, he would push me. He'd, we used to fight. I tell you what, you know, they say growing up that there's, a, a, there's two males, or a son and a father. The father's searching for control while the son is fighting for independence. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely the case in my home. And uh, But my dad at seven years old, well, I went to India and I came back, and I, I never really pieced it together until actually this conversation. But seven years old, I, I was uh, uh, shoveling the driveway up in Toronto where it snows a lot. And then... Uh, the lady next to me, she was an older lady, and she said, you know, hey, kid, would you, would you mind doing mine, too? And, uh, and I said, sure, absolutely. She goes, I'll pay you. I said, no, ma'am, you don't have to pay me. I mean, it's perfectly fine. Uh, I'll do it. She goes, no, 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 son, you have to remember that you're, you're doing a service for me, so you have to earn money. And I came back into the house, and uh, I told my parents, and my mom was like, yeah, you shouldn't take money from an old lady. That's, that's, that's not very nice of you. And I said, well... I don't really know. And my dad said, well, it, it's okay. It's not like he's stealing from her. He's doing a service. He's providing a service for her. And I got it in my head, and I said, you know what? Okay, hold on. I, I like those micro-machine toy cars, if you remember those little really <laughs> yes. minor cars. Yes. So <laughs> I, I loved those things as a kid. And uh, so I went and I said, you know what? I want, I want to buy more. So I started going, and I started talking to people in the neighborhood, and I started shoveling their, their driveways. Uh, not that I love shoveling driveways, but I right. did love micro machines. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was doing their driveways, and their and these were friends of mine. They, you know, they okay. were it was their houses, and their parents would say, "Why don't you take Jimmy out there? Why don't you take him to to shovel the snow?" I said, "Sure, ma'am. I don't, I don't have a problem with that." And the kid would be like, "I don't want to shovel the snow." I said, "I'd be happy to." I was charging ten bucks per driveway at that time. Nice. I'd cut them in. I'd give them five bucks. I'd make five dollars profit on it. And uh, I think at, I think we had 40 or 50 houses that we were doing. But at one point, I mean, they were going out shoving the snow. This is their house. This is their house. I had it delineated. It was kind of funny. I had a little, little business going on at uh, seven years old. It was fun. But you know, I think for me, the, you know, I, I'm a human just like everybody else. And I think, you know, for men, I can speak from a man's perspective because that's all I really know. From, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but at least from a man's perspective, I think we always search for our dad's approval. Right. I think we look for our fathers to say, good job. I think we look for our fathers to say, I'm proud of you. Right. And I think I was a great motivator. I think it still is a motivator for me, to be very honest with you. And, I've, you know, over the last few years, I've really looked at myself and said, you know, at first I thought, well, why do I need my dad's approval? I'm, I'm a big boy. I'm an adult. And I thought, you know what, if it's motivating me, and keeping me moving for serving more people and helping more people, how does it hurt? Right. It doesn't. So I said, you know what? I'm okay with that. And I'm yeah. okay with that. And well, so sorry, for me, ahead. it's been a journey. It's, you know, I wasn't a great student. My dad always, me and my dad used to fight about my grades. I mean, I failed grade 11 math in Canada. It was grade 11, not a junior, but three times. Oh, okay. Three times I failed. And... You know, I failed my boards, and it was like, oh, my goodness. You know, how am I going to – you know, I failed one section in the boards. My dad said, it's okay. Go do it again. Figure it out. You'll be fine. I failed swimming as a kid. I, I failed swimming lessons. It was polywog. Very first swimming <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Five times. 
<laughs> the oh. only reason someone, some people can perceive me as having success is because I've failed over and over and over, and I continue to over and over and over. Right. And uh, for me, my dad just stood behind me and said, he kept on throwing me in the pool. Kept on throwing me in the pool. But funny thing, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was uh, in the, the first polywog session, through this, I can't even make this That's up. That's the best Amy, word. I mean, I'm going to say it all day. It was, I can't even, I can't even make this up. So I was, uh, <laughs> I would go to the swimming lessons, but I'd never go in the pool. Ah. I'd never go into the water. It's probably and why you failed. Said, no, you got to get in the water. <laughs> I said, no, no, you know, I'm good. I'll just coach these kids along. That's fine. It's no problem. I was coaching even back then, I guess. <laughs> and uh, my mom came down from the rafters and I, I can't make this up, but it was one of the greatest lessons I ever had is that, uh, she picked me up and she tossed me in the pool. Huh. And how old are you at this point? Five. Okay. So Polywog was pre-India, pre-shoveling. Oh, yeah, it was pre-shoveling, pre-everything. She said, you're going to get in the water. And she tossed me in and I went on to be a lifeguard. So wow. don't be afraid. You know, for me, I, I had my challenges. I had my circumstances. And, you know, I didn't, it didn't, uh, and I'm not by any means, Considering myself a success in any way, I fail all the time. I'm just a person, but I just—I guess—I take chances on myself because my parents created this belief that I can. I think that's amazing, and I think speaking as as a woman, I think that we all seek the approval of our as our of our fathers as well. I think you know, for a lot of people, mothers are nurturing, so you feel like you know what I'm in with mom. And it's not that we're not in with dad, but I I completely I completely can understand that point. You know, I did not grow up with my father, um, and that's a whole other bag of beans, which is fine. But I know that I still always wanted that. And even in recent years, you know, we don't really keep in touch. I got an email. Uh, after I had we had adopted Ish, and it just said, you know, you have grown up to be an amazing woman, and I'm really proud of you. And that um, it's probably one of the only words of encouragement I have ever received from my dad. And that's okay because that was something I waited for for so long. So so no matter how like whatever the dysfunction is in that relationship, like it's an awesome feeling. And you know, I. I think it's awesome that you that you had that uh, with your dad and, and from your dad. I'm glad your mom hurled you into the pool. I'm glad you got to see India. I'm glad you – I am baffled that you shoveled 40 or 50 driveways for micro machines. I think it's amazing. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Oh, you, you doled it out. <laughs> That's right. And, I, and it's like I just have this vision in my mind of like these seven-year-olds walking down the middle of the street like Wild West style with the shovels and the hats and like their coats so overstuffed. It's, it's, it's a great visual, but it's a, it's a great uh, testimony to the type of, of worker that you are and the, and the type of um, – I, I know I'm overusing, I'm killing the word motivation, but, but what that brings, just that small – great story can bring to our listeners and that they can share with their friends is that like, heck, like you had it figured out really early and honestly, it's never too late to, to figure it out. So the lessons being look at what you're unhappy with and get pissed off, you know, and then what was, what was your guidance from there? Getting pissed off, evaluating what you're not happy about, and then getting those small victories to get you to the main goal. Am I, am I transferring that message properly? Perfectly. And um and I love that. And I and I love that um 
you know, we can, we can share about our stuff and we can admit to having some crap handed to us. And, you know, it comes in, in all kinds of, all kinds of forms. It comes in weird relationships. It comes in, um, you know, circumstances and how we grow up or where we go to school, whether we succeed or, or fail math class. And you know what? Math was not my strong suit either. Like I can remember every song from 1982, but do not ask me to do algebra. Like I don't want to look at it and I might cry. I, I might, I'm not going to lie, but um, I love that we can take our failures and just keep going because I really feel like people don't realize that failing is what makes us successful. And if, if everything came easy, it, it wouldn't be worth fighting for. And again, I'm, gosh, I'm like on the cliches today, but I, I just think that that's an accurate statement. So in, in um, circling back to what we've been talking about, you know, you spoke about getting angry to make change. What about quickly, I know this is not a quick topic, but we've talked about fear being, being a great motivator too. So, you know, is it fear of pain that you think motivates people? Is it, is it fear of – how do you feel about fear of failure? Let's go there. Do you think fear – yeah, fear of failure, I have seen two sides of that. Um, and I could take this radio show and, and, and say that. I don't know how to be a DJ. If I could be like telling jokes all day and just dropping some tunes, like I'd be okay. Talking for an hour is a totally different story, you know, and paying attention to what you're doing. But when I get afraid and I'm like having my like – holy shit moment, for lack of a better word, that's when I know it's going to be awesome. And I, I love that feeling. I love, I love coasting terrified. I don't do it with a blindfold on. I try to learn. I try to find that roadmap, like you said. But, you know, what would be some advice you would give people that are stuck in their belief because they're afraid? You know, here's the interesting thing. I've had a chance to meet a lot of successful people over the years, people who were on stages, on platforms, mm-hmm. from, you know, names like Bob, who worked with Bob Proctor and right. Don Yeager, Desi Williamson, you name it. I mean, we've had the chance, I've had the chance to meet and talk to these guys. And, you know, in fact, I saw Bob Proctor last year, 80 years old, still dynamite on the stage. And, and the, here's the interesting thing about it is that most people look at it and say, you know, okay, once I get over this hurdle, I'll have no more fear again. Fear is a part of life. It is a, you're not changing evolutionary biology. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. You're always going to be afraid. From right. birth to death, you're always afraid of something. Right. So to understand that, because people have this thing with pleasure that they're, you know, well, I'm comfortable here, so they're, they're addicted to the pleasure that, you know, I'm afraid of going out of that because the pain is so bad. Well, the reality is, is that they're addicted to the pleasure, and, but in fact, they're also addicted to the pain. Because the pain gives them a story. It gives them a story to say, look how bad my life is. Look how bad my pain is. And then they, what those people do is that they, they talk about their pain, right? I mean, we have people talking about their sob stories all over the place. Right. So they talk about their pain without really doing anything about it. So you're, you're addicted to the idea of pleasure, and you're addicted to the idea of pain. But the only real thing I can say is that it doesn't matter at what stage you are in life. You'd never disappear. Or excuse me, pain or fear doesn't disappear. It just changes. That's, Once you, you know what? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We just have just, just a minute say, here. 
Yeah, just real quick. You know, once you become rich, then you have a, a fear with your family. Once you be, change your right. fear, you stabilize the family. It changes into your health. Yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, this has just um, opened my eyes to a lot of things that, you know, I, I maybe don't think about often enough. And uh, would it be okay? I'm going to um, give out my email address too, but I would love to be able to forward you some uh, questions that may come in from some of our listeners. I'm not sure if you wanted me to dole out your email address, so I thought I would ask. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, but I really would love, yeah, I would love for more people to follow you and be able to have this great opportunity to hear you speak more often. Again, if you've got any comments, feedback, or questions, please feel free to email me at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com, or you can get a hold of um, Alok Trevetti, the doctor, at dralokTrevetti at gmail.com. And that's Dr. D-R, Alok, A-L-O-K, Trevetti, T-R-I-V-E-D-I, at gmail.com. And we look forward to chatting you up again next week. Alok, I look forward to having you on again. I thank you so, so very much. I hope you have an amazing day. I'm sure the weather is way warmer down there in Atlanta. And until next week, everybody, we will see you here again, same time, next Thursday on Raising the Bar. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.